Welcome to Zero Knowledge. I'm your host, Anna Rose. In this podcast, we will be exploring the latest in zero knowledge research and the decentralized web, as well as new paradigms that promise to change the way we interact and transact online. This week, I dive into the Polygon ecosystem with Mihailo, one of the co-founders of this popular EVM-compatible scaling solution. We learn about the Polygon history, the product suite they now maintain, and their push into the ZK space. We talk about the interaction within the Polygon ZK ecosystem, chat about their connection to the Ethereum ecosystem, as well as what's next for the project. Now, before we start in, if you're looking to jump into the ZK space professionally, I want to remind you to head over to the ZK Jobs Board. There you can find job posts from some of the top teams working in ZK. I also want to encourage teams who are hiring to use this jobs board to find your next hire. We have teams like Polygon Hermes, EF, and Protocol Labs there already. Be sure to post your job on the ZK job board for the entire ZK community to see. We'll add the link to this in the show notes. I also want to make sure that the upcoming ZK Hack Mini is on your radar. Last fall, we did a seven-week event with puzzle hacking and ZK tool workshops. Now we bring it back for a mini version of this event set to last two weeks. It starts on March 1st. So if you missed the first edition or we're at the first edition and want to continue with the puzzle hacking slash workshop fun, uh, be sure to sign up for the newsletter. And you can already sign up for our first event over on Hopin. We'll add the link to this in the show notes. Now I'll let Tanya, the podcast producer, share a little bit more about this week's sponsor. Today's episode is sponsored by Least Authority. Least Authority has been making advancements in the zero-knowledge space since 2013. This year, they will release the Moon Math Manual, a beginner's guide to ZK snarks. The manual is designed to enable an audience with only minimal cryptography and programming experience to implement complex, real-world ZK building blocks. Least Authority has also published a white paper on zero-knowledge access passes, otherwise known as ZCAPs, this privacy-enhancing technology enables users to access services without revealing personal information to the service provider. They're implementing ZCAPs in private storage. They're soon-to-be-released cloud storage service. To learn more about Least Authority and the upcoming MoonMath Manual, visit leastauthority.com slash moonmathmanual. That's leastauthority.com slash moonmathmanual. So thank you again, Least Authority. Now here's Anna's interview with Mihailo from Polygon. So today I'm chatting with Mihailo, the co-founder of Polygon. Welcome to the show, Mihailo. Thanks, Anna, for having me. Pleasure to be here. I'm really excited to have you on and talk about Polygon because Polygon is a project that's moved very heavily into the ZK space recently. And you'd have to be completely not paying attention not to see Polygon's kind of presence in the ZK ecosystem. So I really want to find out, though, like, what was Polygon before all this? Where does Polygon start for you? Uh, so ever since 2017, I guess I, I have been actively involved. That's when I, when I officially left, I guess, Web2 World and the startup I was working on back in the days and officially full-time joined, joined crypto and started exploring Ethereum. I, I was drawn to this great idea of programmable blockchains and web-free and the, the, this grand promise of, of this internet of value that we are trying to build and permissionless global financial system for everyone and uh, all these transformative concepts, I guess, of, of governance, uh, changing the way uh, we as humans collaborate, uh, 
disrupting companies, disrupting governments, all of that. I went full blown out the rabbit hole, I guess, and and the, it became inevitable. I couldn't resist anymore, simply. So, so I just joined the industry full time and focused, I guess, on Ethereum fully. And and um, it was already pretty evident that Ethereum layer one cannot scale and that's uh, that's a feature not a bug actually and and uh, scaling solutions were uh, slowly being introduced plasma was the thing back in the days and i guess i got pretty heavily or actively involved with, with the plasma re- research and all plasma flavors that we have seen back in the days mm. and that's when i got drawn into into the, this whole scaling debate and research and field in general uh, in parallel with that, I, I I think I got to understand, I mean, I still have that understanding or belief at least that we will see and we will live in, in some sort of a multi-chain world. So these multi-chain concepts or frameworks uh, also kind of inspired me or I got very interested uh, in them. And it was after some time that I, that I understood that actually these two concepts, Ethereum scaling and multi-chain systems as such, are actually just two sides of the same coin, basically. And it kind of that's when it kind of clicked for me and and that idea of polygon was born soon after that maybe i i guess it was some sometime in 2018 i cannot mm. really uh, recall exactly and that's when i actually started exploring all these solutions i also i guess i got to understand that uh, as i said we have this grand promise of of web3 and i i strongly believe ethereum is our by far the best chance to actually build this web free and and it's like something that really inspires me every morning when i wake up or or when i go to bed this grand promise again of this network of value this permissionless financial system that will allow anyone to to participate in global economy for me if if you don't mind maybe i'm of course i'm maybe being too broad here but i think it's maybe interesting to, to just answer your question and as many details as, as possible. Sure. So, no, no, go for it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For me, that that opportunity with, with internet, basically, with, with the establishing this internet infrastructure and internet becoming mainstream, we have established this network of information. And that network of information democratized access to knowledge globally. And that's something very, very powerful to me. So before the internet, access to knowledge wasn't democratized, wasn't globally available. It was kind of uh, reserved for people who were either in some geographic locations like developed countries or had certain background or enough uh, money to attend uh, colleges, etc. Internet democratized all of that. So with, with the internet now, if anyone in any remote village in Africa or uh, whatever, Latin America or anywhere, basically, can access more or less this global uh, knowledge base and can learn English, learn to code, basically acquire skills in globally, I guess, democratized way. Uh, what is missing now in this setup that we have is that now these people still in many regions cannot monetize that knowledge. It's mm-hmm. still not possible to actually monetize or, or benefit or improve their lives with that knowledge that they can acquire. Uh, I've spent some time living in Africa and I've seen there, for example, in Tanzania, it is normal for people not to have IDs, which was, it was pretty strange to me, but people don't even IDs? have... IDs? 
like identification cards? Yeah, there's no concept. I, like half of the country basically doesn't have IDs, not to mention bank accounts. Oh. So in such setup, it's really hard. How do you actually monetize your knowledge or any skill yeah. that you might have? With Web3, that kind of changes everything. And that's what really, one of the things that really inspired me to actually join this whole effort is basically like that missing component. Okay, so people can now actually acquire skills globally. And now with Web3, it's like so simple. Boom, you just create uh, your wallet and you can actually uh, uh, get paid as an engineer or whatever, or content creator or whatever, really. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I'm really, really excited about. And that's what kind of keeps me going. That's one component. Second component is this, as I mentioned, this concept of collaboration and, and blockchain says human coordination machine, I guess, or computer. Uh, and basically the, the potential we have with all these concepts now to, do, to disrupt companies, to disrupt communities in general, potentially even, go even governments uh, or concept of nation states, ideally speaking, of course, uh, long term. But mm. These two, I guess, major concepts are very, very transformative and can fundamentally change the society we live in. And that, again, that is really inspiring for me. Now, going back to engineering and technology, we are still in a very early phase. We are building some infrastructure for 1 billion plus people, let's say, mm -hmm. ideally 2 billion, 3 billion people. Currently, the architecture we have is far from enough, is far from mature enough or robust enough or scalable enough, decentralized enough to support that, that scale. So I guess I, I came to understand whilst researching these scaling solutions and in general infrastructure, that it is indeed very early stage of, you know, development, innovation and everything. So I, I kind of came to understand that at, at this point, it might be the best to actually just facilitate innovation. There is this famous misquote, let 1000 flowers bloom. So I came to understand that there should be an unopinionated platform, unopinionated project that will support innovation at this point without betting on any specific technology. Mm. So we have seen multiple projects, you know, coming and going, some of them even dying, betting or trying to build some specific technology. And in, at this point where we are in this early phase of innovation, it's highly risky because a lot of these projects will, will not make it actually. We are still brainstorming, experimenting with technology. So that's how the idea of Polygon was born as an unopinionated platform, basically, that supports all major uh, scaling approaches, infrastructure mm. uh, solutions. And yeah, that that's kind of the origin of Polygon. I, I spent some time tinkering about it and I set some kind of high level concepts and design maybe some vision. And that's how the idea of Polygon or first, I guess, concept was born. And that was already, I guess, 2019. Yeah. So this is a question I have for you is when I'm trying to describe Polygon, I don't know if I can put it in the camp of like an L2 or a side chain. Like, is it a roll up? Is it bridged to the main chain? How do you conceptualize what it is today, like the polygon that people may have used if they're using OpenSea and using kind of the polygon chain as the chain option. What is that right now? Yes, uh, great question. So polygon POS chain is our widely adopted solution that 100 plus million of uh, user wallets are already uh, using. And that is just 
one chain in the polygons multi-chain. So we actually aim to transform Ethereum into a multi-chain system mm -hmm. with a multitude of chains of different architectures, basically. Uh, Polygon POS is only one uh, chain in that ecosystem that we envision, and it is special only in a way that it is uh, highly adopted at the moment. Uh, apart from that, its technology is also quite interesting in a sense that it is some sort of hybrid of layer two and a side chain. It has, okay. I guess, combines components of, of both. We can go technical, of course, if, if we want on this podcast, but generally it's interesting because it combines these two, these two concepts. And that's what we want to encourage and we're constantly encouraging at Polygon. We see Ethereum scaling as a wide spectrum. For us, anything that scales Ethereum technology, Ethereum stack is also scaling Ethereum. Mm. So on one extreme, on let's say left side of that spectrum, we have kind of fully independent almost these sidechain solutions or enterprise solutions that are using EVM. And for us, they are definitely adding uh, to the network effects of Ethereum and scaling Ethereum technology, uh, scaling the, the, the idea at the end of the day of Ethereum. And that's one, one kind of extreme or one side of the far left side of the, of the spectrum. On the right side of the spectrum, we have these full-blown layer twos, how, uh, how we normally call them. So these are chains that are that derive to a large extent security from Ethereum. Mm -hmm. And in, the, in between, we again have multiple solutions, solutions like Avail, for example. So with layer twos, we normally assume that both data availability, so-called, we can explain the concept if needed. I'm not sure if all the listeners are aware of the concept. We've covered this a number of times on the show, but I think it's great to redefine it for folks. Data availability, what is it? Sure. So basically, when you build these scaling solutions, you have two major, I guess, challenges. One is how do you ensure security or correctness of transactions? And the second one is how you ensure data availability. Mm -hmm. So correctness or security is obvious one, right? You want uh, all the transactions in that uh, scaling solution or in that sidechain or whatever it is, or rollup. Rollups are also separate chains. That's important to understand. They mm -hmm. just are secured by, by Ethereum. So... In, in that particular solution, you want all the transactions to be correct, right? And you ensure that in ZK rollups via ZK proofs or so-called validity proofs. In optimistic rollups, you ensure that by uh, fraud proofs. So this is how you kind of ensure security and you derive security from Ethereum in some way. Uh, separate concept, or the second concept is data availability. So let's say you have a scaling solution that has one operator. That is, that is kind of running that solution. Mm -hmm. And you say, okay, we have ZK proofs of transaction correctness. So this operator cannot do anything malicious, right? Uh, they cannot submit malicious transactions. We have ZK proofs that are proving them, so they cannot do anything malicious. But what if that operator decides to shut down its server and withholds all the data of all users? So users cannot actually exit if they want to go back to layer one. Mm -hmm. They need this data available so they can actually submit proof of uh, transaction inclusion and they can actually exit to layer one. So data availability is the proof that data is available, that one could re like get it if they needed it. Is, would you say that's it? Yes, for, for any purpose, either for exiting to layer one or to challenging what operator has done mm -hmm. for these Two, I guess, major 
purpose is you need data to be available. This transaction data, you simply need it. Otherwise, some, some bad, bad things can happen. You either cannot ensure security fully because maybe operator, in case of optimistic rollups, for example, so operator might be submitting these checkpoints to, to Ethereum periodically, but you cannot challenge them even though they did something malicious because you cannot see the transactions themselves. You need to see them, you need to understand that something uh, malicious happened there and mm -hmm. then create a fraud proof based on that. So that's one thing. Or if you want to exit, you also need data to be available. Mm -hmm. So for these two things, you just need all the transactions in, in that uh, sidechain, in that uh, specific solution or that layer two to be available. And these are, I guess, two major challenges that we are facing when we are designing this, these uh, solutions. L2s yeah. and yeah. other sidechains. We generally prefer term scaling solutions, I guess. And we okay. see Polygon as a scaling platform. We don't Got really it. want, because layer two is, we see full-blown layer twos is only one part of that scaling spectrum. Mm. That's, that's how we see it. And as I said, now in the middle, you have either hybrid solutions like Polygon POS chain that combined, I guess, pieces of both worlds of, let's say, sidechains and layer two, or you have uh, layer twos which don't have data availability on Ethereum. So as I said, layer twos normally derive both security from Ethereum and have data av availability on Ethereum. You have solutions, for example, called Validiums, which are deriving security from Ethereum, yes. but data is stored somewhere off-chain. It's In not a committee. Stored. It can be on a committee. It can be on a permissionless network of mm. uh, storage nodes, whatever, or it can be on specific solutions like the one that we are working on in Polygon called Polygon Avail. So Polygon Avail is a specific data availability focused chain. Mm. So it's basically a permissionless solution for storing and sequencing data. It's specifically being built for that. It's one of the projects that we're experimenting uh, at Polygon. But I want, cool. what I wanted to say basically is we, we consider uh, and take into account and try to work on this whole spectrum of solutions because we see use cases for practically each one of them. And we see interest because one of the things we're focused really, we have two major focuses now in Polygon. One is innovation and pushing the frontier of innovation, staying on the bleeding edge of technology always. And the second one is adoption. And we kind of already became known for adoption and our, I guess, relentless, some would say, work on, on, on that front. And we really want to actually like, for, for us, technology that no one uses is, is uh, unfortunately, it's worthless, no matter how much uh, work you put into it. So adoption is really important for us. And we like to talk with the projects and end users. And that's something we, I get kind of specialized in. And we're really, the reason I'm saying this is not to brag. It's because we are really seeing use cases for all these solutions across the spectrum, basically. Mm -hmm. Enterprises want, want one types of solution in general, uh, web-free natives on different types of solutions, etc. So it's really, I think this spectrum is here kind of to stay and, and pretty much all the solutions from the spectrum have their place, I guess, in the ecosystem. So I guess that's how I see it. I want to kind of go back a bit to the early days because I had some questions. You sort of started to describe that you were looking around at things like Plasma. Would you say like the early iteration of Polygon was like Plasma? Was it a plasma type chain? And maybe what what is plasma even? 
I mean, we covered it a long time ago on the show, but <laughs> I could use a refresher. Yeah. So uh, I guess two major things we should mention there. One, to, to cover briefly, Plasma is a layer two solution based on fraud, fraud proofs. Uh, yeah. So it's very similar practically or essentially, it is very similar to optimistic rollups. Optimistic rollups are basically, I guess, the next iteration of Plasma. Mm -hmm. And they differ from Plasma mainly in the way they approach data availability. So Plasma uh, generally stores uh, the notion of Plasma, the idea of Plasma is to store data somewhere online. That's where also, offline, sorry. That's when the actually data availability as a concept and as a challenge was actually uh, identified during this early plasma days. That's when it became obvious, ah, okay, we actually need the data. That's when the data availability problem kind of was identified in the first place. And optimistic rollups are actually normally solving that by storing data on, on Ethereum itself. Mm. And that's practically the major difference between optimistic rollups and plasma. I guess there's no other major difference. So were you guys Plasma originally? And yeah, that's the also important thing to understand. So as, as I said, I kind of formalized this general vision, I guess, and, and design and concept of Polygon. And I was about to start Polygon as a standalone project. But generally, mm -hmm. as I guess as a person, I'm, I'm generally collaborative. And, and I like the spirit of collaboration that, that we see in Ethereum. It's really one of the things that, are, uh, that I find very cool and I'm... And, um, kind of excited about. So I generally spoke briefly with a couple of projects that have significant amount, I guess, of tech overlap. So they, these were, I guess, Ethereum scaling projects, all of them. And there was significant overlap, as I said, between my vision uh, of, of Polygon and what these teams were trying to build or, or achieve. And one of the projects was Matic. That's how it uh, used to be called back in Matic, the days. Matic, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and when I started talking, of course, I knew all these projects, these founders from, from before, and this is mm -hmm. a small community. We all know each other and all that. And I just started briefly talking with them. And as we started talking, things really started uh, uh, coming together really nicely. And we really kind of clicked and we very quickly decided to start working together. And, uh, you know, starting work together with someone and becoming co-founder with someone is not a small decision. It's something you don't really decide lightly, but really all the kind of checkpoints with these guys uh, got ticked and uh, they were very committed to what they were doing. Uh, treasury was managed very well. They were really proactive. They already had very similar vision for, let's say, the future of Matic and a bunch of things kind of came together nicely. And we just said, okay, let's do this thing together. Mm. And that's how Polygon was then officially introduced as uh, our collaboration, actually. So I didn't start it as, as a sole founder. We started it together and that turned out to be, um, I would say, a really good decision and because of this all like, exponential growth that we have all witnessed in, in the last totally. year and that we are very excited and humbled by. So to just answer your question, basically they were working, what they had at the time was, I, I believe the, the the first or one of the first, one doesn't even matter, Plasma implementation that were all in production, live in ah. production and being ready to use. And they also had this Polygon POS chain. And that's where we, I guess, also learned one important lesson. So So we had this POS chain that was up and running in production, and it was fully EVM compatible. Mm -hmm. 
And we had Plasma at the same time that was also production ready, available for developers to use, but still 95% of projects, we were completely not biased. You know, when we were discussing with teams and onboarding them, we were actually recommending Plasma as a layer two solution because it derives security right from, from Ethereum more than the POS chain to a certain extent. But developers actually uh, turned out that this EVM compatibility is really important thing and developers yeah. are actually willing to um, accept certain trade-offs, maybe in, even in terms of kind of security or at least theoretical security to have this convenience of Ethereum development environment. So so that's something we kind of learned and then we accepted that, okay, whatever we build moving forward, we really need to try to make it EVM compatible. That is kind of our now uh, one of our design principles for all the solutions that we are building at. Um, so Polygon POS is fully EVM compatible. Polygon Edge is fully EVM compatible, as well as our ZK solutions, Polygon Hermes, Polygon Maiden, Polygon Zero, that we, mm-hmm. we're all very happy to support. So yeah, all of them pretty much have uh, EVM compatibility on, on the roadmap. That was actually one of my big questions was like, was it sort of a fork of Geth? The POS chain? And what is the POS in the POS chain? Proof yes, of stake? Yes, for proof of stake. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, so that's the kind of the, the hybrid of, as I said, the side chain that is operated by a proof of stake set of validators, which is now, I don't even track the, the prices, to be honest, but I don't know what is today's price, but let's say the total amount of stake in terms of US dollars is probably north of $3 billion, I guess, maybe mm. even more. I'm really not sure. So it's pretty... A significant amount in terms of this economic security that this proof of stake provides. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it's a decentralized uh, validator set, proof of stake based. And uh, we also, on top of that, and what is very interesting, it actually lives on Ethereum. So in that sense, for example, if if Ethereum, hypothetically, if Ethereum stops working for whatever reason, POS chain also will stop working because the whole validator logic and everything and the the bridge itself, everything lives on Ethereum. So we're kind of like an execution, I guess, extension of Ethereum, maybe in some way. I have some questions now about how this relates to like the ETH2 split, because I'm I'm sure you're paying attention very closely to this. Like if like, this is super interesting. So your POS, you have your own validator set, you have your own locked security from like basically people who've staked their tokens two validators, I'm assuming, on the network. Yes. And yet there's a bridge. So there's a bridge from Polygon POS chain to Ethereum. And you're saying that there's something in the logic that tracks it, but are, is it sort of like time codes, block height? Like what kind of thing, what, what does it track? In terms of tracking, the, the chain only monitors events on Ethereum, mainly on the bridging side or validator logic side. So basically, uh, the the whole chain is aware of these two, I guess, groups of contracts. So bridging okay. contract and validator contract. So the chain is aware what is the active validator set, what are the weights of of every specific validator, and in terms of the bridge, the chain itself is aware of any message that is requested to be bridged to to the Polygon POS chain or vice versa from the POS chain to the Ethereum layer one. And uh, the messages that are supported, they are generally arbitrary. So you can even have uh, not only simple token transfers, but you can have some, for example, you have applications like Curve that have deployments on both 
Ethereum layer one and on Polygon POS chain. And then you have some governance decisions, for example, on layer one and uh, the governance DAO uh, makes a decision and they're able to execute decision on the POS side via the bridge in a basically trustless manner without any intermediary because we support this arbitrary message passing. That's, uh, I guess, one additional convenient uh, feature that this chain supports. But again, just going back to, to uh, the, the major point, POS chain is just one concept, one specific implementation on that spectrum of Ethereum mm -hmm. scaling solutions that we see. And if we were just, I guess, fortunate that chain was up and running, it was fully EVM compatible, and it was available today. Like yeah. it, we were last year, we were kind of in that situation where um, Ethereum gas fees were going crazy. People kind of started leaving the ecosystem to to some maybe other layer one chains, which are maybe not offering the best uh, trade offs in terms of decentralization and whatnot. Uh, of course, I've never I never like to talk negatively about any other project, of course, but I'm just saying that I guess it's it's uh, it's a fact kind of, and I think Polygon was there ready to kind of meet this, that huge demand that, that we mm -hmm. were seeing in the market. So the POS chain was very convenient in that regard, but we really now are heads down working, working around the clock really on more advanced, these bleeding edge uh, solutions that, that will, we really believe, push the frontier of innovation. One of them is, for example, Polygon Hermes. We can go, if you want to cover, more ZK, I guess, based efforts. I would, of course, really love Definitely. that. And yeah, we're really excited about it. I want to do a rundown of all of the different kind of the product suite. I don't know if you'd call it that, but all the different sort of chains and ideas. POS chain is this incredibly popular chain and used a lot. And it's very, very large. And like you, what you're saying sort of is like you were there at the right time, right place. You had the EVM compatibility that maybe other teams didn't realize was so incredibly valuable to be able to redeploy a solidity contract. On, we, learned, we learned that hard way. <laughs> you learned it the hard way. I do have one last question about it, which is like, is it Geth or is it something else because it's POS? Like, what's it based on? So actually, yeah, uh, essentially POS is indeed the fork of Geth, at least the execution layer. When it comes to consensus, we are actually using Cosmos, i.e. Tendermint for, mm -hmm. for consensus and for this proof of stake overlay. So that's how it, uh, that's how it works for now. Currently, we're working on version three of the POS chain that should introduce some, I guess, fundamental improvements of how the chain operates and uh, simplify the architecture a little bit, because currently it operates in two layers. One is called Hemdal and the other one is called Bohr. But we don't really, I guess, need to go into that right now. But it is indeed based on, on GET, at least for now. Cool. So you, you mentioned that you have Tendermint and sort of something borrowed from the Cosmos ecosystem. At the same time, I see kind of in everything you're saying, you're extremely focused on Ethereum. Have you considered bridging to Cosmos? Do you have any connection to that ecosystem or do you see yourselves as entirely pointed at Ethereum? We are fully focused on Ethereum, like Got 100%. It. But we, of course, support and encourage all... all uh, uh, other projects that are adding value to the to the industry in general and cosmos is certainly i would say one of them mm -hmm. and they have made significant contributions to the industry so far already so yeah um, i really love the team and as well as some other teams in the industry so yeah wherever there is a meaningful way to collaborate we are open for collaboration but when it comes to our focus we we are definitely focused on ethereum 100% and we are not exploring generally 
uh, ourselves, integrations uh, with other layer ones and whatnot. But uh, again, Polygon is a fully permissionless network and platform, and we have indeed already bridges to deploy to deploy to some other layer ones. But it's by third parties. It's done by mm -hmm. third parties. Like there is, I think now probably even I would say even ten bridges from Polygon POS to the Ethereum itself. Wow! Only one oh, of just them, to Ethereum. Oh, that's yeah, so only funny. Only one of them is kind of <laughs> kind of you can say official. It's not even official. Yes, we have built it, but it's public infrastructure, of, co of course, it's not uh, our property or anything. But there are third parties, I would, I know at least six bridges that are currently uh, operational between Polygon, POS and Ethereum. And as well, some of them to other chains like BSC or whatever, or Solana or whatever of these layer ones are out there. But it's these bridges are done by third parties because it's, of course, fully permissionless uh, platform and anyone can do pretty much whatever they want. So I think it's a really good time now in the episode to do the kind of rundown of all of the different products, because you've mentioned them a few times, like you sort of hinted at them, the different types of rollups, the different types of scaling solutions that you're working on. And maybe we can start with one you already mentioned, which may, I don't know if you'd exactly put it in the category, but this avail mm -hmm. data availability, it's a standalone rollup. What would you call it? Like a chain? Yeah, it's it's a chain. It's similar to. Uh, I'm not sure if I should talk about other projects. Uh, I guess why not. I like, would say it sounds similar to Celestia. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, Celestia is, is also a great uh, great project. They are tackling the same basically challenge, but we are mm -hmm. again a little bit more focused. We are actually fully focused on Ethereum. They are more involved with Cosmos, as far as I can notice nowadays. Uh, which is, I guess, one difference. We're, we're Ethereum focused. And the second major difference is when it comes to technology, basically, I think Celestia, to the best of my knowledge, still, I haven't followed, haven't been following their work really closely lately. But I mm -hmm. think that the way you ensure data availability is using fraud proofs on their side. And we use something called CATE commitments and some interesting cryptographic and mathematical uh, uh, concepts to actually ensure this data availability. And it's more in line with, uh, I guess, data availability uh, uh, shards that are being uh, currently researched and developed uh, within the Ethereum 2, as part of mm. Ethereum 2 project. So it's basically the same line of design that we follow at Polygon Avail. And we want to kind of, the idea with Avail is to maybe contribute in some way and uh, push that whole uh, effort forward a little bit faster. We would like to collaborate more closely. We already have contacts and, and interactions with the Ethereum 2.0 team that is working on, on the sharding itself. And we would maybe like, in a way, everything we do at Polygon, uh, we kind of do with, with the idea to also give back to Ethereum because pretty much all this adoption is we have to thank Ethereum for, for it. Mm -hmm. Okay, there was a lot of hard work on our side and all of that, that's all fine. But uh, the way Ethereum community kind of embraced us and understood that we are actually adding value to Ethereum instead of just trying to extract value and all of that. And uh, everything happened really nicely and uh, uh, we're very happy about that. And we're always looking for ways to, to give value back to Ethereum. And Avail also with it, we, we would like to again, contribute to this Ethereum 2.0 data sharding research and, and mm. effort in general. But yeah, Polygon Avail is a data availability focused solution. 
It is also a chain itself, okay. like Celestia. It is one of the chains in this polygon ecosystem, this polygon multi-chain ecosystem that we envision. And it serves this specific purpose. It, it should do it really well. It sequences data and it stores data. Mm -hmm. And the, the I guess it's specific in a way that very little overhead is required to actually ensure that the data is available. So mm -hmm. you can actually have a light client of that blockchain, which can do some small uh, uh, data sampling occasionally throughout time. And with very little overhead, basically, for the light client itself, you can stay assured uh, and have higher guarantees, mathematical guarantees, that the data is actually is available. And that is kind of the, the nice thing about it. So, yeah, it is not a smart contract chain. You cannot deploy apps on it or anything like that. It literally stores data in a sequenced uh, way. And you can easily ensure that the data is available by doing this sampling that mm. is kind of, yeah, introduces low overhead. Do you also picture this being sort of the base chain of a, another ecosystem of rollups? Or do you see it more like holding data, but making data available for rollups on Ethereum? Yes, that's exactly the purpose. The so second one? It shouldn't be, yes, yes, yes. Okay, so okay. it shouldn't be the base layer. The base layer, you always want as a base layer something that is highly secure and that is normally Ethereum layer one. So that mm -hmm. should be the base layer for rollups, we believe, in general. But uh, rollup storing data on Ethereum layer one is simply not scalable. It is, cheap, it is uh, um, expensive, consumes a lot of gas, and it significantly... Uh, limits, or I would say even dramatically limits the, the throughput of these solutions. So you need, we need to look for ways to store data basically off chain. And Avail is just one effort, one of uh, the approach uh, approaches that we are considering, experimenting with currently. And uh, yeah, we believe it Ooh. might be an interesting uh, option to actually keep the data for, for these rollups in moving forward. We also have other approaches and other efforts. As I said, like we really now just want to facilitate innovation at Polygon. We're still mm -hmm. in this early phase. Let's just help uh, as many great ideas, try to facilitate them, put some funds, put some resources, put our, I guess, maybe even network effects or whatever, any sort of help that we can provide. And let's see how they play out in the market. Not all of them will survive, of course, but it's, I think, very exciting and, and meaningful to have this uh, innovation hub that we consider Polygon to be. What about, you had sort of mentioned this too, what is Polygon Edge? What yeah. is that? Polygon Edge is another solution in our suit that actually enables anyone to build their own chains within within this uh, multi-chain Ethereum. Oh, ecosystem. is it like an SDK kind of? Si sort of, yeah. It okay. actually, Polygon Edge was called uh, Polygon SDK originally. We recently <laughs> rebranding it to, to Polygon Edge because uh, we got some feedback that people normally thought for some reason that it's some sort of developer toolkit for the POS chain itself. And ah, then, to build dApps on top of it or something. Yes, okay. there was some confusion there constantly. So we kind of discussed it briefly and decided to rebrand to Polygon Edge. Got it. And uh, it's in some way equivalent to Cosmos SDK. I guess a lot of people have heard about it. Or, or Substrate. substrate yeah. Exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of our alternative also, again, uh, you can guess Ethereum, fully Ethereum focused. Mm -hmm. And we currently support these enterprises like uh, standalone PON enterprise CVM chains. We support side chains. That's what we have for now. We recently introduced proof of stake overlay for that consensus. So it's basically a modular framework to build 
Ethereum compatible chains, as we call them. Cool. Uh, moving forward, we want to introduce more consensus algorithms. We want to introduce layer two support so people can even build their own layer twos using Polygon Edge. So that's going to be pretty cool. And Neat. yeah, a lot of other cool stuff in the roadmap. And basically, Polygon Edge, as we said before, uh, POS chain is a fork of GET. Mm -hmm. um, Polygon Edge is kind of implementation of the whole Ethereum stack. That's we use. That's what we use as a foundation for Polygon Edge, mm. but built from scratch, which is very interesting. So that was, I guess, one of the uh, very few efforts, at least in recent uh, years, to rebuild the whole Ethereum stack. So normally people forget, which yeah. is, well, it's convenient. Get is battle tested and all of that. It's been in production for years, but they are, I guess, two at least major downsides to that. One is Get is, of course, very monolithic code base. There's a lot of interdependencies everywhere. You cannot change the things easily. Mm -hmm. We really wanted to have something that is modular. We wanted modular consensus. We wanted modular runtime. So you can actually, with Polygon Edge, you can kind of plug in. You don't have to use EVM necessarily. You can plug in something like Awesome. You can maybe plug in some, not maybe, you can plug in something like OVM, which is a virtual machine for optimistic rollups and stuff like that. We are even now experimenting internally. As a matter of fact, we are right now starting a proof of concept. We're going to use the Polygon Edge framework. And instead of EVM, we're going to use ZKVM that is currently being built by Polygon Hermes team. Yeah. And we're going to see how that system runs together and maybe we can significantly speed up the whole development time and maybe... Uh, solve some of the relatively small challenges that, challenges that we're seeing on the um, Polygon Hermes side. So we yeah. really wanted something modular, which get definitely is not. So, and the second thing it is... It sounds so hard to do this, by the way, because like yes, you are... What are you, you're reverse engineering Geth in a way? Not, and not then really reverse engineering, <laughs> but the architecture is known, but just building okay. it from scratch is is pretty challenging. It's, it's a pretty complex tech, you know, so... Uh, yeah. And uh, we wanted it to be modular, one thing. The second thing is uh, um, Get is a code base that has been built for years and evolved over time. And it kind of becomes a little bit messy. You know, some parts of the code base, maybe networking especially and things like that. There are always parts in these code bases that no one dares to touch. They don't know what it's going to do. <laughs> just don't touch that part, basically. Uh, yeah, so we just wanted to rewrite the whole stack in a more, you know, organized, well-structured manner. And I think we have achieved that. It was really challenging, actually. And now we're working with multiple partners. We're going to have several very big announcements on that side, both on the enterprise side and some big names are already using it. I cannot share more details right now, but it's going to be public very soon. Uh, we're seeing it kind of in testing environment running very successfully now with any major issues. So I think we maybe have even made it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that, that's Polygon Edge, basically like a modular framework for building all sorts of Ethereum compatible chains. Basically, ideally, almost everything from that Ethereum scaling spectrum that we mentioned. Mm. Do you have any other products or like in your suite, maybe some other scaling solutions that aren't ZK? Because I want, I also want to soon move over to the ZK side of things. But yeah, is there anything else maybe on the non-ZK that we should know about? Yeah, we, we are, of course, supportive of all the solutions, uh, uh, all meaningful efforts to scale Ethereum. We are still actively experimenting with optimistic or fraud-proof based systems. Uh, okay. but we don't have formal efforts there. I'm not saying we won't have them, 
but currently we don't have anything that is formalized and official mm-hmm. uh, from that side. So I guess we can dive into the ZK part of the... Of Yay. <laughs> okay. So like, I had an interview with Jordy and David mm-hmm. about... When was this? It was last year, spring. And at the time, I think at the, it was like at the very moment that they were actually like joining Polygon. And we even had to record a little add-on at the end because the announcement happened between the recording and the actual release of yeah, the show. I <laughs> and I, oh, it wasn't actually that much about Hermes. That was about ZKEVM. So we had gone yes. into the initial plans of ZKEVM. But Hermes itself was also sort of brought over to the polygon world and i'm wondering like it has its own way of writing itself to chain and creating the snarks and Mm -hmm. creating the proofs but do you see that like has it evolved since being incorporated into polygon or does it still run the same way yeah great question uh thanks for that so hermes when when we started talking to them first let me just give a very quick kind of preface so as i said we support all the solutions all scaling solutions from the spectrum, of course. Uh, but <laughs> having explored extensively all the solutions from the spectrum, we are a little bit biased toward uh, ZK-based solutions. Mm-hmm. We believe taking every taking everything into account, ZK-based solutions probably offer the best set of trade-offs and can actually be the, the I don't want to say the holy grail, but uh, can actually be the technology that can help us mitigate almost all these major challenges that we have, including including privacy, which is very important, by the way, and it's coming one day. Now we're all super occupied with scaling, and that's like the pressing issue. But once we manage to actually scale, privacy is going to become a very hot and important topic, because mm-hmm. currently we're just basically our wallets and everything is open to everyone in the world to to see and monitor our transaction transactions and that's not really viable and i take i guess zk based solutions are very well positioned to to mitigate i guess uh, all these major challenges that we're facing right now as an industry i guess uh, yeah and we kind of formalized i guess that bias in, by publishing our zk thesis sometime last year, I guess maybe in June, something like that, uh, where we actually explained what I said now. And we committed uh, $1 billion from our uh, treasury to to support uh, ZK-based efforts, be it R&D or projects or acquisitions or talent acquiring grants, anything basically that can help the industry move forward. And that's how we start. That's when we started actually establishing this uh, Polygon ZK based or ZK team, if you want, or ecosystem or call it whatever. Yeah. And Hermes is the, the first project that we, that we officially introduced and we are super excited to work with the, with the team. Team is peer-headed by Jordi, who's yeah. a kind of living legend of Ethereum and they already had the- And work. a living legend of ZK. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Jordi, Jordi and the team, they, they built- the only for now decentralized ZK rollup. This is very interesting. So this is even today, the only decentralized ZK rollup, it doesn't have a centralized operator, centralized sequencer. Yes. All the rollups out there actually, not only ZK, but ZK and Optimistic, all of them have a centralized operator, all of them apart from Hermes. So Hermes mm-hmm. by design has the centralized operator and some interesting model for picking the operator based on auctions and whatnot. And it is live on mainnet, but 
it is limited to uh, mainly payment use cases, you know, token transfers and things like that. So that brings us again back to, to this Ethereum compatibility thing and uh, how how needed it is basically for any scaling solution to be widely adopted. And Hermes team uh, understood that and we started talking and we really kind of clicked uh, on, on multiple levels. And uh, yeah, we really like that they started work on ZKVM. We recognize, of course, the importance of that. We, after some period of negotiations, we decided to to join hands. And yes, so far, the the again, that proved to be so far a very good decision, I believe. And mm-hmm. we're uh, heading towards testnet. I'm really happy to say that I think uh, we can even mark the date today, but uh, let's say in three months for today, it's it's always <laughs> tricky to give this. You're uh, putting uh, pressure on Jordi and the team yeah. right now, huh? Yes, but I, I spent a couple <laughs> of days now with Jordi and the team. Uh, we yeah. spent a couple of days together now, uh, went over everything that uh, has been worked on uh, lately. And we're, of course, constantly in touch uh, very closely. We are all very confident to say that uh, in three months we will have a testnet of ZKVM and that's going to be, to the best of my knowledge, again, the first implementation of Ethereum virtual machine in, in a ZK-friendly manner. And we are, of course, super excited about that. And we started this effort of establishing Polygon's ZK team or, or ecosystem, if you will. And one of the teams that we had a lot of respect for was definitely Hermes and we started discussing with them. And after a series of discussions, we recognized, identified a lot of synergies, mainly the the upcoming Hermes 2.0, how we still call it kind of internally. And to answer your question, basically, what's new on the Hermes side? So yes, they they have already built this uh, decentralized rollup, which is live on the mainnet now, but it supports generally only payments, token transfers, and things like that. And as we previously said, like we learned the hard way that TVM compatibility is very important, I guess. So uh, it was great to recognize uh, synergies there. And they're also starting this ZKVM uh, effort. And now we are well on our way to actually deliver that. So along the way, we agreed how we can start join hands, start working together. And basically Polygon Hermes was uh, announced in that, I guess, interesting acquisition merger basically which is to the best of my knowledge the first the first example of one network absorbing another one i guess mm-hmm. because polygon token absorbed kind of hermes token and uh, that was also kind of a pretty cool i guess experiment and but going back to the technology itself uh hermes the whole team is now uh, fully focused on delivering zkvm which is going to be, we believe, to the best of our knowledge, the first basically EVM, full EVM compatible uh, ZK uh, rollup out there. We are very optimistic about, about delivering and I think I can share basically that in three months from now, from this day today, we can expect actually ZK EVM on the, on the testnet, which is really, really cool. And we are, again, it's um, we are always careful with these timelines, of course, but I'm constantly in touch with Hermes team. We are, we are constantly updating each other. We are working together and we are very confident that uh, within three months from now, we can have this on, on the testnet, which, which is going to mm-hmm. be very, very exciting. Uh, in parallel, we are starting some auxiliary efforts there in terms of mainly hardware acceleration, which is going to be almost necessary, I guess, 
uh, at least in this first iterations of ZK-based solutions. So I, I'm not sure if many of your listeners know, but hardware acceleration is basically something that can significantly improve the throughput itself or computational efficiency of these ZK proofs and uh, related operations. So we're also working there very actively to establish a strong team on that side and, and ideally further accelerate the ZKVM once we have it out there on, on the mainnet, ideally within six months or so. That, that's our target for now. Mm-hmm. Like I said just before, there is an entire episode all about the ZK EVM. If someone wants to go a little deeper into what that looks like, uh, I'll add the link to that in the show notes as well, if someone wants to hear yeah. it. Excellent. Yeah, highly recommended. It's a great episode and very interesting thing that Jordi came up with these micro VMs and uh, in general, very, very interesting technology. Totally. Although interestingly, after that aired, I did learn about two other ZK EVM projects. There's definitely something brewing in the EF around this. Yeah. And so there, there is like quite a few, I mean, I think the idea of that, like as an EVM kind of secured by a ZK roll-up or yeah, a ZK, a zero-knowledge proof somewhere along the stack. I think in the case of the ZK EVM that Jordi does, there's actually two. I think it's a really exciting, challenging kind of goal. I think a lot of people are going to want to do it. I'm excited to see how different people approach it, actually. Absolutely, absolutely. And we're, of course, very collaborative and Jordi is uh, indeed. And we're working with EF people, mainly with Barry. Barry is leading that uh, effort to the best of my knowledge again from the EF side. And mm-hmm. we are having, uh, Jordi and him are also collaborating very well. And uh, there's another project, I think, called Scroll that uh, yes. I think something like, yeah, if I'm not mistaken, they're trying to re-implement also uh, or to implement ZK, ZKVM, I think based main, mainly on this EF-based effort that Barry is mm-hmm. That's That's uh, my understanding, at least. I think even doing something in that regard. I'm not sure. Yeah. They were experimenting also with something like that. Who were? Yeah. Loopring. Oh, oh, I didn't know about that. Oh, I that's cool. I think I heard that. I think huh. I've heard that. Not quite sure, but I think I've heard that they're also <laughs> working with DF in, in some way. Somewhere. Which is super cool for us, of course. Like, uh, let's all push the frontier of innovation together. Totally. Um, what else in the ZK stack do we have to look forward to or can already play with? I'm thinking maybe we can hear a bit about like Nightfall. Yeah, Let, let's briefly cover, I guess, the three remaining efforts on our side. So as I said, Polygon Hermes, at least the upcoming version, currently is a payment-focused roll-up. Upcoming ZK EVM is full-blown EVM uh, ZK-secured implementation. We're very excited about it, as I, as I already explained. We have Polygon Maiden, Polygon uh, Zero, and Polygon Nightfall uh, mm-hmm. left to cover. So Polygon Nightfall is uh, unique in this ZK solutions ecosystem in a sense that, uh, at least in Polygon, because it's the only one that is privacy focused. It is privacy first solution. It's not focused on scalability, it's focused on privacy. Yeah. So it basically was started by the great team from the EVI, basically led by Paul Brody, who is one, I guess, of the more prominent people from the enterprise ecosystem in our industry. And uh, they started this, This uh, first of all, they built this Nightfall library that is uh, providing privacy features uh, for, for mainly for enterprises on Ethereum mainnet. They realize it is 
very kind of gas heavy, like all, I guess, ZK operations on, on mainnet. And they started mm-hmm. exploring these soft chain solutions and uh, having a kind of a separate chain or a roll up, whatever. And that's, we were in touch already and working on some things together. And we said, okay, let's do it together. And that's how Polygon Nightfall was, was born and announced. And basically it's a, again, interesting a hybrid of optimistic roll up and ZK rollup. And again, going back to what I said in the beginning, this ecosystem is very broad, very interesting, and we can see all sorts of hybrids there, all sorts of solutions. So I wouldn't, I, I don't like be hell bent, you know, on this is layer two or this is not layer two. Let's just uh, allow this whole ecosystem to kind of thrive and develop and uh, sure. let's see what we can come up with. So it sort of combines uh, components of the of optimistic rollups and uh, ZK tech to actually provide this privacy first solution. So you can even kind of think of it as a tornado. A lot of people uh, know tornado from the Ethereum mm-hmm. minute, and you can kind of think of it to a certain extent as tornado, but more scalable, more uh, affordable because it's uh, on its own scaling solution, not on the Ethereum mainnet. So it is generally focused on enterprises, but we really have a clear understanding with the EY team that is going to be a part of the public infrastructure and available to anyone. And we're also, we already have this public interface being built right now and things like that. So, mm-hmm. so it's pretty interesting. We're also adding, working on adding additional features, programmability, uh, exploring the next version of the, of the solution itself. Yeah, we're making very good progress, I think, towards the, the mainnet. It should hit the mainnet really soon, I believe. It's already on testnet. So, yeah. The next one I know you already mentioned was Maiden. And we actually did a full episode on Maiden as well. The thing is, I love doing this with you. I almost feel like we should have done this product suite episode before because there's so many projects in the suite that I want to actually have on for full episodes to explore what they're doing. So if anyone wants to hear about Maiden, Maiden being the Stark focus solution, um, there is a full episode on that. But I think it's worth mentioning at least briefly what it is and how that fits in. Uh, absolutely, yes. And I think it's fine that we're doing this now. At least now we have all these solutions, at least publicly out there. And uh, True. Was, when, when we announced Polygon, <laughs> it was still mainly about POS chain. And we were really, really trying to communicate that idea of Polygon being an unopinionated multi-chain uh, platform or solution with, with multiple solutions basically supported and in the works. And But uh, um, there's still a lot of narratives in this industry and a lot of Totally. The empty promises. So it was kind of also important to really put something out there to really prove actually that we're not just talking, that we're actually working and, and uh, building actual tech and putting it out there. So now we have all these efforts public and, and uh, very much in the works. So I want to mention something for our audience that like, I actually, we've been trying to do this interview for like at least four or five months, I think, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I feel, I feel, I'm, I'm really embarrassed. <laughs> we kept getting pushed off because it was like, something's coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I told you that, like, really, it, for us, it was really important to kind of prove, prove ourselves to yeah. the community and to actually show that we have the capacity, that we have formal efforts, uh, capable expert teams working on, on, on them, just to basically prove that it's what we're saying, actually, we're, we're also putting to work. Totally. Yes. So now we can discuss uh, each of these solutions uh, separately and openly. Totally. Yeah. So yeah, Maiden. So, let's... Yeah, really sorry for, really sorry for, <laughs> for the delay. 
And we're also, we're constantly like super busy. Yeah. So thank you for understanding. No problem. No uh, problem. I don't mean to bring you on and then shame you or something. <laughs> I'm yeah. just happy that we've, we've got to do it. It's already, but I deserve it. Okay. <laughs> anyway, tell us, so tell us a little bit about Maiden. I think it's important. Okay, cool. Of course. Yeah. Maiden is a Stark based effort. It's a scaling focused effort. It's a ZK rollup. Stark only, exclusively based on Stark. It is, in that regard, you can think of it as somewhat uh, comparable to, I guess, what Starkware is doing because it's also Stark-based, Stark-only based scaling solution. But the difference is that Maiden is fully open source. We really believe in Polygon, we really believe in open source technology and everything, absolutely everything we build and we, that we will ever build in, on, on Polygon, in the Polygon ecosystem will be open source. We want to follow this ethos of Web3 and uh, everything that Maiden is working is fully open source, of course. And there are then some uh, deeper differences when it comes to actual architecture. So both projects have their respectable virtual machines, which are Stark-based. Uh, Maiden has Maiden VM. Stark has Stark VM, I believe. And uh, yeah, the architectures are kind of different. And whoever wants to uh, understand the differences, I guess, better is to to listen to the to the Maiden episode mm -hmm. itself. Robin uh, explains that in more detail. I can maybe cover it briefly or it's not required right now. But there are some architectural uh, differences. And uh, yes, and another thing that we are focusing on very much, I guess, is that Ethereum compatibility, as I said. So the, the Maiden VM has its own native assembly, but we are actually actively thinking in line of compiling Solidity to that assembly. And that is already set as one of the design goals for the VM itself and the assembly alongside with it. And um, that's something also very important, I guess, to mention cool. when it comes to this solution. The solution is spearheaded by by Bobin. Bobin is a prominent uh, ZK researcher. He was ZK lead at Facebook's Novi for quite some time. He built a uh, Winterfell. Winterfell is a um, very interesting decentralized Stark prover that was built in uh, as part of uh, Facebook Novi, and uh, Bobin left Novi and started basically Maiden with us. Maiden is kind of successor of uh, of this stuff VM. This stuff was Bobin's project. That's how I actually met Bobin. Hmm. Um, we met on it research. Bobin published uh, this stuff as his first effort to build Stark-based Stark -based virtual machines some time ago. I think maybe two and a half years ago, I guess, roughly. And that's how we met, basically, on it research and started talking. And I really liked his ideas and I kind of invited him, started talking to him. And eventually... Uh, we also decided to to join hands, and that's how Polygon Maiden was introduced. And we might go now to Polygon Zero if you want. Sure. To cover Although I want to keep the Polygon Zero brief, because actually in the next week or two, I have a schedule to actually have a full episode to look into oh, okay. what that is. Um, another team I'd been trying to have on for a while is Mir. It was a request from the audience, and um, they also were like, just wait, just wait, just wait. And now finally, <laughs> it was announced that there had been something happening between your two organizations and it all made sense. Um, but yeah, what is maybe just briefly, what is Polygon Zero? And maybe you can give people a bit of a taste for what we're going to talk about next time when I bring them on for a full episode. Okay, cool. Maybe you can tell me how secretive I should be now. <laughs> ah, just be vague. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> okay, deal. Uh, so uh, as some of your listeners uh, might already know, recently we announced this Mir acquisition. Mir is a less known ZK startup. In, in my humble opinion, one of the most underappreciated ZK uh, teams out there. They have a very, very strong team with some very cool technology in, in works and already out there. The, the main piece of the technology for now, at least, is Plonky 2. So Plonky 2 is the world's fastest recursive uh, ZK prover out there. It is a significant breakthrough in terms of engineering on that front. And it is, I guess, at least two orders of magnitude. Again, it's not up to me to compare. And uh, Brendan and uh, Daniel, the founders of, of Polygon Zero, which is which used to be Mir, can cover it uh, in more depth in the in the episode itself. But basically, it is by far the fastest, if you will, ZK scaling technology available today. And uh, the whole team has done a great deal of the optimizations and they they build this really great piece of technology and we are super excited to have them also as part of the Polygon family and working on, on Polygon Zero. So Polygon Zero is also ZK rollup in a sense similar to Mir, uh, similar, sorry, to, to Polygon uh, Maiden, but the difference is it is based on, on Plonky 2 as the core piece of that infrastructure and the whole virtual machine will be based on that, on that technology. And in a similar manner, basically, we want to see uh, Solidity compatibility by transpiling from Solidity to the native assembly of the virtual machine that Zero is is building. So these things are kind of similar, but the technology and the team are are uh, different. So uh, yeah, the the backstory is that I also know Daniel, the founder of one of the two founders of. Uh, Polygon Zero, also from ETH Research. So back in the days, oh. uh, we also had some. Yeah, that was. And when you longer. say ETH Research, you mean the like the forum, the board where yeah, people post yes. things. Sorry, yeah, I assume people know it, but I, I don't know why I'm assuming that. I mean, ETH most Research people is, probably do know it. The ones. Who yeah, it's but. it's a popular Ethereum research forums yeah. where I don't know, like us Ethereum uh, geeks are uh, hanging out and yeah getting to know each other, I guess. And that's where I met also Daniel. We kind of became friends and also during our effort to establish this uh, ZK team or ecosystem, we decided to join hands and also super excited and humbled to have these guys on board. Super strong team. And uh, yeah, excited uh, to see what will come from, from cool. their side. And just to give, uh, um, just to kind of wrap it up now, a lot of people are asking us, okay, you have free scaling focus ZK efforts. Why are you doing that? Like, what's what's wrong with you? <laughs> Basically, we, we, keep, we keep hearing that. And again, I keep going to, to my original point or premise that this is very early phase of innovation uh, still. And we want that, as I said, to let 1000 flowers bloom, let's support multiple efforts, let's mm. encourage innovation. And what we're very, very happy about is that these teams are working together really, really well. So there's very close collaboration between these teams and great, great energy. We have regular weekly calls. We have, uh, of course, a synchronous communication on kind of a daily level. Teams are updating each other, collaborating with each other. We even kind of said the incentives in a sense that we have, of course, financial arrangements with each of these teams. And some of the parts of the arrangement is tied to the actual adoption of the solution. And oh, wow. we set incentives in a way that 
if only one of the teams kind of make it uh, in terms of adoption, adoption bonuses are being unlocked for all the teams. Cool. So no one is, they're kind of already incentivized to work together. There's mm-hmm. no incentive to work against each other. But that being said, these people are already great guys and highly ethical, and yeah. they don't even need these incentives, to be honest. But even the incentives are, I guess, kind of there. And it's like really amazing. I, I, if you remember, Anna, I invited you. Maybe you can come one time to this weekly calls that we have yes. with our ZK teams. So the energy, just to attend this one call and hear and feel the energy there, it's like super exciting. And every time on this call, every week, basically, I'm being humbled over and over again and and really proud that, you know, I can call myself a co-founder of a project that has such a great team. It's like, it's uh, really amazing. Yeah. And uh, just to kind of finalize my, my thought. So this is the current situation. And these projects are indeed separate now, and each of the teams are pursuing their dreams, and we want to enable and facilitate that at Polygon. But none of the teams, or us as Polygon co-founders, are excluding the possibility that some of these projects will converge somewhere along the way. You know, Ooh, like this maybe we'll see some someone joining hands, maybe not. Like yeah. we really don't want to put any sort of pressure or uh, uh, influence any sort of decisions there. We just want to be a facilitator. We, we just want to uh, be that positive force in the ecosystem, not some big evil you know, project that now has a lot of money in the treasury and goes left and right and buys projects and tells them what to do, yeah. whatever. I can actually already imagine one part. So ZKEVM, which uses something from Stark technology and snarks. I would love to see if there's any kind of collaborative points there. I can already picture like Bobbin and Jordy potentially sharing some info there. Absolutely. We already have now scheduled in real life IRL, like uh, um, basically meeting in in Denver now, (gasps) as a matter of fact. So all the teams are gathering there. We will all be there. We will spend several days again, working together, brainstorming. As I said, it's really a great great atmosphere uh, among all these teams yes yeah. cool. so we're super super happy about that and we'll see how that will actually um what will be the epilogue i guess of that collaboration we just want to let it happen organically basically cool cool i actually i want to mention something cuz you know we're talking a lot about this group and how they're they're sort of the the ideas are being formed and they're sharing and all of this. We actually, Mihailo, like Polygon and myself actually have a, a fun collaboration coming up around the ZK Hack. So the ZK sure. Hack, Polygon is actually the building partner for the ZK Hack Mini, which starts on March 1st. I think I have it actually in the ad of this episode as well. And Polygon as the building partner, we're actually going to get to hear from a lot of these projects and the workshops that we're hosting. We Every week we're doing a workshop. It will actually be a bunch of these Polygon teams. So I'm very, very excited to also share some of this even further with the audience. So anyone who would love to get a little taste of this should definitely check it out. Yeah, super exciting. Please check it out. And thanks, Anna, for inviting us to, to collaborate. Totally. So we had CIRCOM at ZKHack1, but we didn't have anything from the Polygon universe, really. And so I, we thought it would make sense for us to feature you. Yeah, definitely. Thanks again for, for inviting us. We need to be, definitely, we are very much aware that we need to be more out there. It just, things are happening very fast on our side. <laughs> and uh, yeah. uh, we, we want to be, technology uh, first. We want to focus on great tech and facilitate processes on that side. And then we want to, of course, step up the the, 
communication side of things and marketing and basically uh, speak with the community more and uh, engage ourselves with the efforts like the one you mentioned now. That's, that's was really important. But but for us, it was more important to establish the processes, establish roadmaps, establish teams, allocate resources, etc. Uh, all of that happened basically in the past four months or so with for all these four teams. So it was quite a run, yeah. <laughs> but I guess we will be out there more now. I want to ask you a little bit of like, what's next? And maybe another even more pointed question, like everything right now is very, very focused on being, being EVM compatible, but do you even see like an evolution of what that means ever? Or would you stick purely to what exists now? Because I know there's other kind of EVM compatible chains that are thinking of like adding things that EVM, like the current EVM on Ethereum doesn't, <laughs> I love saying that, the current Ethereum virtual machine on Ethereum. Anyway, the current EVM, like the, the, the known Ethereum L1 EVM uh, doesn't have. So like actually adding new features. Is this anything you're ever thinking of? Mm -hmm, of course. Uh, so, so to answer your first question, what is next? So I believe uh, for this year, our goal is mainly kind of consolidation. So Polygon in the last year grew exponentially. And of course, when that happens, you have these growing pains and the internal organization is, I don't want to say a little bit chaotic, but it is at, at, at times. It's just kind of, I guess, unavoidable when you grow exponentially. And we're kind of trying to, to establish this organization to, to become more streamlined and everything, again, without centralizing the project too much. So it's a delicate kind of balance that we will try to really establish uh, this year. That's important for us. And just to further facilitate and continue with these efforts that we have. We don't foresee introducing too many efforts on the new efforts on the tech side. I think we covered all of our major interests pretty well for now. We just need to focus on the existing products and uh, help them build as good and as uh, fast as possible. On the adoption side and business side, I think we are very focused on that. My co-founder Sandeep is leading that that side of things, and uh, he's doing that extremely well. We're focusing on this major mega, I guess, niches, NFTs, games, mm -hmm. and DeFi, and enterprise uh, division that is currently being established pretty much, and we have also some great uh, uh, projects there lined up. So that's about it for us, I guess. And um, <laughs> I love that. Like, that's about it. That's all. <laughs> Only these like. Yeah, there's, there's another, another, I guess, major effort is this upcoming token redesign. It's something that we really Ooh. need to do. And we're working on it already. That effort started, I guess, like one month ago. Slowly. What does that mean? What is a token redesign? Like, are you talking the mechanics or the... Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Polygon was, as I said in the beginning of the, of the episode, so uh, at some point I decided to join hands with Matic and our token is still called Matic. Yeah. And it's kind of the, maybe the last, I guess, maybe legacy of Matic itself. And it was designed to power the, the architecture that was introduced back in the days with, with Matic. Polygon is a kind of new paradigm of this multi-chain system built around or on top of Ethereum. And the token that we uh, envision should power uh, and secure this whole multi-chain paradigm. Oh, yeah. It's not going to be a mandatory, like it's really important to say, we don't want to force anyone. We don't, we just want 
this token to actually enable security. We don't want it to be a mandatory token that everyone will have to buy, use, or stake or anything. It should be stay uh, under the hood for majority of the users. But we see a lot of potential in uh, uh, introducing some some changes to the token design itself, the mm. mechanics and how it is utilized within this ecosystem. And that's where we're probably going to change the ticker also. So for Ooh. us, the, the announcement of Polygon, it wasn't just a mere rebranding for us. It was the announcement of fundamental, you know, shift in, in vision and, and some new chapter for, for the project itself. So also that's why we decided, okay, let's just leave the token for now as it is. And once we actually change the ticker uh, to something Polygon, probably like Paul or whatever, it doesn't even matter for now, we're going to decide on it later. When that happens, we want that to be also a sign that we have put a lot of thinking in, into this token actually and how it brings value, how it adds value to the ecosystem, how it is utilized across the ecosystem. And when we actually have a clarity uh, uh, or a clear vision on that, that's when that also uh, event is going to happen. So I would like that to happen this year. It will take quite a lot of work. I'm not sure we already have a lot of our plate. I hope we can do it this year. Would you have to redesign this somehow to like work across all of the different networks as well? Or would it still live on the POS chain? No, no, absolutely. It's going to be used okay. in Hermes, in Maiden. Wow. In Zero. It's just, we have very clear kind of uh, principles already or, or high level and core ideas. It, it just needs a lot of analytics, simulations uh, to, to become kind of confident about yeah. ideas that we have. Is there any influence? Is there any other token influence? Like I'm trying to pick, is there any other token that actually natively lives on multiple chains? Can it? Like it's always wrapped versions as far as I know. Yeah, it can be wrapped version. It can live on Ethereum, but it facilitates or secures these other, these other chains and these other projects. Uh, it, there are multiple ways how it can be utilized, but maybe mainly to provide security or to pick operators or validators or introduce uh, introduce rewards because when you're bootstrapping for example some new network let's say we want to have we ideally want to have hermes 2.0 and zkvm as a decentralized uh, roll-up we wouldn't want to have it centralized in the long run mm -hmm. so uh, you want to bootstrap that network so ideally if you have a token that's providing rewards in a similar manner like other pos chains or polygon pos chain that should help uh, bootstrap this network of, of operators compared to when you don't have any token there. So you have, I guess, to rely only on transaction fees and then it becomes this chicken and egg problem mm -hmm. typical for any marketplace. You know, you don't have enough fees, so you don't have enough validators yeah. and then you enter that, uh, I guess, uh, vicious circle at some point or things like that. So definitely we have, I would say, very interesting ideas. We just need to formalize them more test them, uh, do a bunch of simulations. We want to involve some prominent people from the industry uh, who are experts in the field. I don't want to, I guess, name names now, but pretty pretty uh, uh, known, ones. pretty prominent <laughs> in the industry uh, cool. to help us with that effort. And yeah, I guess these two things are main focuses mainly for us in this year, apart from all the work that we're already doing, like these yeah. products and then the adoption side. I have to go back to the question that I first asked because I realized yes. we forgot to get back to it, which is the EVM, EVM, the EVM yes. itself, like the yes. 
like, yeah, is do you actually imagine in a ZK EVM, does the EVM eventually evolve too? Uh, yes, I, I wanted to get back to that now. Uh, so uh, EVM is kind of de facto the, the standard right mm -hmm. now in the industry. And we just, for the sake of adoption, we are acknowledging that and we're acting accordingly. Okay. So, but we're not being... EVM maximalists or okay. in any way. We want technology to move forward. We, we never want to consider any technology perfect. Every technology is far from perfect, of course, especially in these early phases. And we are open for all the alternatives and all alternative approaches. And that's where, uh, for example, these uh, alternative virtual machines, like the one being built by Polygon uh, Zero, for example, or Polygon Maiden are interesting in a sense that these virtual machines, you can think of them as a, or their instruction set, as a superset of EVM instruction, instruction set. And that practically means that it is possible to, uh, for these virtual machines to be Ethereum compatible or Solidity compatible, but they have more potential or wider potential. So they can actually be targeted by some other pr programming languages. For example, Bobin, who's spearheading Polygon Maiden is, uh, really interest, interested uh, recently in Move, the, the programming language is mm. programming language built at uh, Facebook's Novi. And uh, you can al also have deterministic subsets of uh, Rust or whatever, any other popular mainstream programming language targeting uh, these virtual machines. So I don't think we're, we're gonna have EVM you know, in, in use forever. Maybe it will happen, but I yeah. doubt technology involves, technology moves forward, especially uh, again, like for the 10th time, we are still in very early phase with Web3 in general. But I think if we replace EVM one day, it's going to be by some sort of soft fork, as we say in blockchain. It's not like something that will completely disrupt EVM. It's going to be rather something that is kind of compatible with EVM, for example, like Polygon Zero, yeah. but it has broader instruction set or can support other uh, high-level languages or something like that. And then you can kind of uh, gradually replace EVM. Uh, that's the most likely scenario we see for replacing EVM, I guess, in the long run. Cool. Mihailo, I want to say a big thank you for coming on the show and sharing with us this amazing kind of product suite, all of the different solutions that you've been building or investing in or kind of gathering together under the Polygon umbrella. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing this with us. Thank you so much, Anna, for inviting me. It was really a pleasure. And I hope your listeners will like the episode. And I hope this was somewhat clear. I, I know we have a lot of going on on the product side and it might not be uh, very easy to, to, to digest initially, but I guess what is important is that we at least have clarity or we believe we have clarity <laughs> and vision what are these components used for in the long term. And uh, yeah, it's definitely going to be exciting year or years to come. It's very ambitious and I obviously wish you luck. And actually, as I mentioned earlier in this episode, we do have one of those projects, Polygon Zero, who will be on the show either next week or the week after, so very soon, so we can continue to explore uh, even more of this ecosystem. Thanks again. Thank you so much, Anna. I want to say a big thank you to the podcast producer, Tanya, the podcast editor, Henrik, and to our listeners. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.